Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matt Peverell, joined by a new special co-host for this week with Marky D out with a sore throat, Big Bro Sco, Rich Schofield. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I was wondering if I should do my accent for the whole show or not. <laughs> well, we'll give you a chance to try it on. Yeah, no, I'll no, leave it up to you. No, not, I, I couldn't carry that on for a whole show. But uh, hey, happy new year to you! Um, as you put us yesterday in the future, seeing how you were already on to your second day of the new year. Um, That's right. I'm guessing things were were great for the new year down in Australia. Yeah, they were. We've uh, it's been quite cool here uh, and raining for the past six weeks more than more than what's expected. But we've now started to get some really good weather in, and it's a bit more traditional Australian weather at the moment—a bit hotter and beach weather—and that's what we like here down under. Uh, but yeah, 2022 is off to a good start. It's day two, um, but yeah, always live in the future and. It's exciting, obviously, the Monday night game. So we've got that Tuesday lunchtime and most people are still off for the holidays. So uh, for for Australian Steeler fans, it's it's going to be a good day to go out and, and be able to watch the game. So, yeah, but happy new year to you, Rich, and, and to your family. And hopefully the Steelers can kick off 2022 with a good victory this week against the Cleveland Browns. Well, what team better to kick the year off against than the Cleveland Browns? That's it. Um, That's it. You know, there's different ways you can look at that. A, it's the Cleveland Browns. Yes, there's always that rivalry there. But two, the Cleveland Browns, I I think, have been, um, you know, a lot of people this year, I know we have a lot of Steeler fans that say the Steelers have been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, And folks are allowed to feel that that is the case, but I would have to say there are a lot of Cleveland fans that feel the Browns have been an even bigger disappointment. So well, that's 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 right. And you hear, I've I've heard all season from anyone on NFL Network about how good the Browns are, and the Browns are going to make it, and they're going to skip over any hurdle that they have. And where they're sitting right now, that's seven and eight. It's you're sitting there going, it's not, it's probably not going to happen at this point in time, right? And and so you know, I think where we're sitting. You know, we didn't get, we didn't spend the money on the O line. We didn't have the ability to do that that they did. You know, they brought in a lot of good players. They had a, they drafted some excellent talent as well. Not to say we didn't, but yeah, when it, when you talk about disappointment, it's it's definitely one that the Browns are probably feeling. And then of course this week we've got the very likely scenario that it's Big Ben's last at least regular season home game, and and that adds further spice, um, intrigue, and intensity to this week. But you know. Rich, I think you're going to the game. You're going to get a chance to see Big Ben play. You know, what's that going to be like? Oh, uh, well, of course, it's going to be a blast because I love going to, to Heinz Field for games. Um, although I, I am going to worry a little bit um, in terms of by usual, uh, I'm afraid. Right now, I'm 3-0 and on the season on going to games at Heinz Field. Every game I've gone to so far, the Steelers have won. I'm worried though. I'm going to be deviated from my normal routine on game day. Uh, you were saying it's been a bit uh, cooler than expected and raining in uh, Australia. Well, here in Western Maryland in Western Pennsylvania, we've been a little warmer than usual, but also a lot of rain. Um, I'm having to keep an eye out. Uh, normally, I take the uh, the Gateway Clipper. 
over to the game from Station Square. Uh, but I'm worried with the river levels that they're going to shut that down for game day tomorrow, which means I'll have to hop the train and go over. And of course, then it's just like, oh, it, it's not the same. Um, especially because the last time that happened that the river was high and we had to take the train was the 2017 playoff game as Kyle sits over and nods at me uh, <laughs> against the Jaguars, which didn't turn out so great for the Steelers. But I'm looking forward to going to the game. I'm not 100% ready to say for certain that this is Big Ben's last game in yeah. Pittsburgh. It, I I look at it and say this could be. Yeah. Yeah, and if you if you made me pick a percentage, I'm I'm going over 50% that it is. Okay? I'm probably 65-70% saying yep, probably Ben's last game in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's funny. That's interesting. I'm uh, I'm on a 60% I'm on a 60% right now. I mean, and, and this is the thing for Steeler fans. And I said it, uh, Mark Mark was doing his show um, on, on Steeler Nation Australia and his YouTube uh, during the game last week. And and I, I sort of said, you know, Ben, Big Ben should be, we should be so lucky that Big Ben might come back again. And I said it on Twitter as well. And people came at me and I said, well, hang on a second. He's He's got the fifth. He's been sacked the fifth most times in the league with 35 sacks this season. He's behind a very inexperienced and fluctuating, you know, O-line. He's got a, a great defense there coming back next year. They're going to have another round, another set of draft picks. They've got the cap's going to go up by, you know, almost $30 million. They're going to have space on top of that. You know, it, Big Ben, Big Ben may come back. There's probably enough reason for him to want to come back as well. So, you know, but we will see um, coming out of this game. But you know, Rich, I heard a bit of there was some big bangs in Pittsburgh um, in the last sort of 24 hours as well. So you might have to dodge some meteors. Am I right? Yeah. So yeah, caught on the news this morning. We had there were there were a lot of reports uh, into 911, especially in the South Hills, talking about these loud booms that were going on. Um, they were able to rule out that there was no no thunder or lightning going on in the area. Uh, they were able to say, nope, there was no seismic activity going on. Now um, they just have a most likely, most likely was meteor explosion. So I might have to dodge some meteors to get my way into Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think we were joking before we got on air that, you know, it might be some of TJ Watts' uh, long-lost relatives, seeing as he's not from this world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, before before we crack into a lot of the previewing for this week's game and Big Ben and his competitiveness and, and where this how this Steeler team needs to get get with it to, to get a win this week, you know, of course, we'll have Sling in the Slang and excited to do that with Rich as well. It's always good when I can we can get one of the North American colleagues on. Uh, Mark and I always enjoy that. And we can get them, you know, talking through some Aussie slang. Uh, but, but Rich, I know you didn't enjoy talking about it with Dave earlier in the week. Not that you don't like talking about it with Dave, but it was a, it's a bit of a sore point for all of us Steeler fans. But any any other reflections or takeaways from the Kansas City game now that we're you know, about a week or so on from it? Well, my, my only remaining thing to talk about with the Kansas City game is really that, okay, that one's done and behind us. But as Dave and I talked on our show on Tuesday, it's desperation mode now. If the Steelers come out and even begin to play 
anymore like that's you know that slow start all this that forget it it's done that it, it is it is do or die time and i want to see the steelers come out and start the next game like yeah they're their playoff life depends on it because really it does. They need to beat the Browns. They need to beat the Ravens, period. So um, I hope that the Steelers are ready to come out and do that. Well, that, well, that's it. And, and Mark and I were talking about it a bit last week, and I, and I sort of said that it was going to be key to any victory or even you know good play um, in the Kansas City game. But for me, I still sit there and it's not, you know, there's been this storyline all season around the Steelers not playing, you know, putting it all together on offense and, and, and defense at times. But for me, it's the complementary side of football. I mean, you know, Boz, Boz always ends up, you know, holds up his end of the bargain, at, you know, and kicks field goals, you know, and, and from 50 yards plus. And that, I think, could be very essential in this week's game. But we're yet to see a game where even probably, I would almost say for 50% of the game, you're seeing you know, the, the defense set the offense up really well, you know, from field a field position standpoint, you know, set that set their special teams up from a, you know, from a return perspective within the other team's half, you know, on the offensive side of the football, you know, they're not getting enough points to allow this defense to go out and make plays. And, and so for me, I'm just looking for some, you know, more complimentary football. It's just been missing this year. And I think when you, when you think back to, 2020 um, and how we got to the 11 and 0, even though we weren't playing great throughout some of those games. And you think even 2019 and almost getting to, you know, the eight wins with or getting to the eight wins with Mason and Duck, it came down to complementary football and it's just not been there. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the defense has to help the offense and the offense has to help the defense. And last week, the offense did nothing to help the defense. Now, the defense wasn't doing much to help themselves at times. <laughs> but one play drives and two play drives, that's not enough from the offense to give your defense the chance to catch their breath and regroup. Yeah. So, just... so you know, it's got to be better from that standpoint. Well, and particularly when you start to see some of the injuries, and I know obviously TJ Watt, and I know you yourself and Dave talked about this, you know, on your show, and you you don't want to say too much because you don't want the other team knowing where he's injured and what have you. But you know, when when you know that in the locker room, and you know that you're, you know, apart from Haywood, Hayden, and, and Fitzpatrick, you know, he's the difference maker, and it probably more important than than most of those guys as well. You, you've got to you've got to come together and you've got to step up. And I know it was Christmas. I know it was on the road, but these guys are professional footballers, and uh, you know it, it just it just stands out to me because if even if we if we're going to get up this week against the Browns, we're going to get up against the Ravens, and we're going to be able to do something in the playoffs. This complimentary football, it's just it's a non it's a non negotiable, really. Yeah, yeah, and, and to me too. Like when the defense does its part, like they did in the Tennessee game. Uh, and created a bunch of turnovers. The offense has got to take some of those opportunities and turn them into touchdowns, not field goals. You know, um, it, it they have to feed off of each other. It's not one, it's not the other. We need our offense to step up and be excited when the defense does their thing, and then the defense to do the same when the offense is able to punch it into the touchdown zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite BTS things, the touchdown zone. The touchdown zone. <laughs> I remember where I was when I heard that live. That's hilarious. 
But look, as, as the title of the show would suggest, you know, one of the things I really wanted to cover off today, and particularly when I when I thought that, you know, when I found out you'd be on with me, Rich, as well, I, I thought this is one that, you know, you'd like to talk about too, you know, and that's Big Ben and his competitiveness. Is there a greater competitor? And, you know, I've not had the privilege of seeing Big Ben live. I think it's quite funny as an international fan. I go over and the one game I go to see, you know, it's it's Devlin Duck Hodges and against the Bills. And, you know, you sit there and I'm thinking you could tell clearly that Matt, they needed to put Mason in and they did the next week. But regardless, I'm never going to – there's a very like, good likelihood, even, you know, if Big Ben comes back with the way the pan, you know, p- pandemic's going on and potentially – I may never see, or I'm very likely never to have seen Big Ben play in the flesh, and that is what it is, and that that's a real shame. But the competitiveness that Big Ben has oozed throughout his career through day one, I mean, you saw it even, you know, when he was in, in, in college and what have you, is incredible. And, and I sort of went ahead and I pulled some stats from this season, which... Uh, I was inspired by this from something I saw on Twitter, basically saying that Big Ben's, you know, not having the worst year he's ever had. And I just thought 17 seasons, you know, and yes, he's missed, you know, uh, several games through to injury at times and suspensions and what have you. But this season, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Rich, because you've seen it in the flesh and then to see what we're doing this season and, and how this team really needs to help Big Ben out. But, you know, he's had 20 touchdowns. You know, that's 11th of his 17 seasons, 3,373 yards. Again, that's 11 out, 11th out of his 17 seasons. He's averaging 240 yards per game, which is, again, 11th out of his 17 seasons and more yardage per game than the first five years of his career. He's had his third lowest year for interceptions uh, and which uh, with eight and one at 1.6% of his passes. He's had 164 first downs with with two games to go and that's 12th out of 17 so he only needs 11 to get him to about halfway on that list um in terms of his career he's got his 13th best quarterback rating behind a very difficult o-line uh with 90.2 he's had five fourth quarter comebacks the most in his career and he's got 40 in his career he's had six um game winning drives and he's had 52 across his career but six is the most he's ever had in a single season with two games to go he's been sacked 35 times which is seventh most and we know big ben got brutalized um you know with sacks early on in his career Mm -hmm. seventh most completions in his career with 336 so far in the season um with six most uh attempts with 515 eighth um in terms of completion percentage in terms of his career eight out of 17 with 65.2 percent um and yes he's got the third lowest average of his career with only six and a half yards but again he's working with very short space he's trying to get Najee involved i just listened i just think about these stats he's not even having his worst career year no and if if you really listen to those stats as i was listening you go through them i'm sitting there thinking okay so where this really falls for ben is a kind of middle of the road year. Yeah. Well, personally, at 39 years old, I I take a middle of the road career of Ben Roethlisberger. But I think it goes to point you were saying about his competitiveness. I think part of this just goes to show that. I mean, Ben, he plays to win. He wants to win. He wants the Steelers to do really well. Um I, I think Ben has is slowly learned. I think Ben has learned a lot as he's gotten older, and I think he's learned a, 
a lot about what he can and can't do physically anymore. Okay. If you, if I were to take something, somebody who's seen big Ben play over a span of years, especially live, Ben would tell you the thing that he's not as good at doing now that he was five and six years ago. And especially early in his career, Ben was great at shrugging off, you know, shrugging off tacklers, getting free, and still being able to throw the ball down the field. And he has still done that at times this year. You've seen him duck and get away and throw the ball. But he doesn't – he's not able to do it – I don't want to say – I don't want to say at the same level, but with the same – like as many times a game as he used to. I mean, it was nothing to see, especially in those years where he was taking all those sacks because the line was so terrible and we're still trying to push the ball down the field. He was back there, you know, shrugging off tacklers to get those balls down the field. Um, He's not going to be good for eight or 10 of those a game anymore. Um, He might be able to get you two. Um, And I'd say that's the biggest difference in Ben's game. It's just, I mean, He's a 39-year-old quarterback with a lot of wear on the tread. So, I well, mean, that's got to be expected. And you've hit, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there for me because one of the things that I wanted to bring up kind of next, and, you know, it's great we're on the same page on this one, is you, know, you hear that sort of sentiment go around a lot that a team will have, and it's more on the offense side of football, there's eight to 10, you know, plays that change the game or, or eight to 10 opportunities, you know, where you can score touchdowns, you can get, you know, a ma- you know a ma- massive field changing, um, you know, play, whether it's in the run or the passing game, and it's often the passing game. And and it's like what you said there with the shrugging off of the plays. I just think when you get a veteran quarterback, the amount of those opportunities, it changes because they, they do, you know, struggle to move as much around in the pocket. They, they do, they can't run, you know, necessarily away from the, those oncoming pass rushes in, in the same way that they could before and big, big Ben's, you know, case holding them off. And, and so it goes back to what I was sort of saying earlier about complementary football. There's probably four to six times for Ben where there might be eight to 10 for a Justin Herbert or, or, or a player like that, or a Patrick Mahomes. And, mm-hmm. And, and that's where it goes back to when I think about and what I found really jarring against Kansas City was the drops. Big Ben, the, the team has to the team has to lift to make it um, make it easier for him. The team, when those four to six opportunities come in the game, you know, we saw it um, you know, at, at different times, you know, earlier on in the season with some of the wide receivers, and I think Claypool particularly, you know, we've got to hit them. And at the same time, Big Ben's got to hit them too. I mean, there's that that pass to Deontay, mm-hmm. you know, against against Green Bay. But I, I just think going into this game, everyone has to sit in that locker room and think, how do we lift? How can we match Big Ben's competitiveness? Because Big Ben is still competing. Like, And you can tell it's not just something that he says in the press conference, uh, you know, about wanting to do well, about thinking he's still got it and focusing on each game as it comes. But he's, he's literally doing it. And I, until I saw... What I saw about that compared, you know, actually compared Ben's season, this Ben's performance this season to his two worst seasons. But then when I went through those numbers and I thought, mate, he's having it as 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 you said before, Rich. He's sort of it's a it's a halfway year for Ben, you know, in terms of in terms of his career. That that's that's incredible behind this O line at thirty nine years old. I mean, it's just something that 
you know, Steelers fans, we could be in for a tough ride over the next, you know, three to five seasons. And, you know, don't wish Big Ben away because this, this, these, these stats are hard to replicate. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, you know, for me, it's then as Steelers fans, are we, you know, do we take Ben for granted? Do we? We do. You know, 17 years of Big Ben Roethlisberger, have we kind of taken him and his play for granted? I think there's times where we do. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of argument out there that maybe we should have moved on from Ben this year and and given the ball over to Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or somebody. And you know what? May, the Steelers could have done that. But should we really be that upset with the play we've gotten from Ben Roethlisberger behind this offensive line? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not either. I mean, and, and I think you're right there on the taking it for granted because I think I caught myself about eight weeks in the last season thinking about that myself. And I sat there and I thought, hang on a second. You know, and even last year with the O-line and what it was going through, it wasn't certainly, you know, rock solid going through toward the end of the year. It was quite a bit of, you know, influx there. Uh, you know, particularly and where it was going with Pouncey, you know, and and Hassan Howe coming in, you know, and, and there are a few other different changes on, in that O line as well. And Villain Waver was depending on whether you look at the PFF score, you look at the play, you know, he was having an interesting year as well. Um, you know, in, in the right tackle position, and you had Banner out the whole year and what have you. But you're exactly right. There is that, you know, I do think Steelers fans, you know, take Big Ben for granted a lot of the time. And it's that classic, you don't know what you've got until it's gone in many ways. And, you know, you even look about this week and you think about Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is a guy that's got on the season, you know, his pass completion rate 62.4%. You know, he's throwing 15 TDs, 11, you know, interceptions. He's got 2,800 yards. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's meant to be in his prime, that's fighting for, you know, his first big payday. And look at where Big Ben's sitting with his 20 TDs, eight interceptions, um, 3,300 plus yards. I mean, you know, he's 39 years old, not 20, you know, six or whatever that Baker Mayfield is. I mean. Well, since you brought Baker Mayfield up, uh, I will honor Brian Anthony Davis here on the show and just first bring up that Baker Mayfield sucks. Um, (laughs) And then I'm going to turn around on Monday and pray for another four interception night from Baker Mayfield. So. That's it. That's it. I mean, if it's Brown, flush it down. Uh, but I looked at that game. I, w- I was watching the second half of that game, um, you know, against Green Bay. The guy was cutting up um, leftover Christmas leftovers, actually, from the next day on our, on our Boxing Day. But I was watching that game, and, you know, Green Bay completely let them back in. That scoreline absolutely flattered the Browns. But what I did notice out of that game that I think that, you know, the Steelers need to be really careful about this week is let's say the Steelers get off to a good start. <laughs> we know that's been rare so yeah. far, right? So a bit of wishful thinking on my part there. Um, but but let's say they get off to a good start or they, you know, they have a great second quarter and they come into, they come out of halftime, you know, looking good. They're gonna. They have to play right through. There's. We are not good enough to let this team, you know, come back in this game. They they need to hold them out. 
Yeah, with with the way the Steelers team has looked all season, uh, I would hate for them to get out to a, I don't know, at some point in the second or third quarter out to a 10-point lead and see them take their foot off the gas. This team for the Steelers is not uh, – I'll just I'll say that this team for the Steelers is not good enough this year to against a decent team, which the Browns, to me, are a decent team. They are not good enough to be able to be up 10 – into the third quarter and take their foot off the gas and hope to make it to the end and win. If the Steelers take that attitude, they will lose. Well, and you're exactly right there. And and the Browns are a, a decent team. I mean, not just from the roster, but, you know, we've lost to teams with similar records like the Vikings. You know, I think the Chargers are only sitting a couple of games away from that. You know, the Broncos, are, I think, have got the same record as Cleveland and you know, they've played really well in some games and not some in others. That's why they don't have, you know, a positive win record. But, you know, that, you're exactly right that the Steelers are, are just not good enough. And Mark and I talk about it a lot. And it might be a, um, I get told sometimes it's the whole millennial thing and, and what have you. But Mark and I have been sitting here and we, we joke we, we joke about it on this show a lot, which is it's been a while since we've seen the Steelers really, you know, pace someone up, really rack up the scorecard. And what have you? And I know that's not Tomlin style, and it's often not a, not a Pittsburgh sort of style piece. But I just think Big Ben, if it is his last home game, they absolutely need to just put the foot on the gas the whole way, oh, no yeah. let up, and just and particularly this Browns team. You know what we went through last year in the playoffs. You know what we went through in 2019 um, as well. And and Rich, even what we've gone through in the last 24 hours. And I think you, you let me know this morning before we jumped on about some of the comments from Garrett. I'd seen earlier in the week he wanted to make it, you know, he said he wanted to make it Big Ben's last game ever, not even just his last home game. But I think there's been more comments overnight. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. He and Clowney have kind of been into it. They, you know, they saying things like they want to send Ben out, ben out with a smash and things like that. There's a little bit of smack talk going on there. And I really would have thought after the game near Halloween – Miles Garrett would have maybe learned to just, you know, keep his mouth shut and play, but apparently that doesn't work for him. So I'm really interested to see um, if maybe some of the talk that's been going on doesn't add a little extra motivation to our offensive line um, as they could definitely use some motivation right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, you know, and and I also think, you know, we, you know, in a weird way, it might even inspire, you know, TJ Watt even further. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, that that guy being or that bloke being in, inspired anymore. But, you know, he's got two games left. I think it's gonna be very, it's gonna be very hard pressed to uh, to match the record. But it's not out of the realms of possibility. Uh, and I think, you know, going up against Garrett in this game, it'll be very interesting to see them, them compete because. You know, I still I still find it so interesting when you hear Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year, and you know the TJ Watt talks finally started to lift over the last three or four weeks. But gosh, to hear it all season, and you know, and you know TJ's played two and a half games, almost three games less than Garrett. Um, you know, but Rich, do, do you know? Do you see TJ Watt being able to get some sacks? I know you you and Dave talked about him being quiet last week and his PFF score and what have you. But to me, it's really going to depend just on where his health is. If he's feeling good, sure, he's he is. He he'll get in and he'll be putting pressure on 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 Mayfield. Um, but again, we're we're not going to know exactly where he where he's standing with his 
with his pain level in terms of what was going on with his ribs. Um, you know, cause that's just one of those injuries you have. It's, it's not necessarily ever going to keep you out of, not necessarily going to keep you out of a game. You're just not necessarily going to be able to do the things you're used to being able to do on the field, whether it be, you can't do things at the same speed or you just can't, especially from a pass rusher standpoint, can't use certain moves because it just, it, just the pain's too much. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've cracked some ribs before. <laughs> it's not fun. And I've cracked a sternum too. Actually, I tried to play through that in my final year in high school of, um, you know, the equivalent to, you know, sort of top tier high school, you know, football in the US. And it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. You, you can't, yeah. and I can't even imagine at the pro level, you know, sports medicine and painkillers aside. I mean, it's, that's, an incredible thing, you know, uh, particularly when you're going up against, you know, people that are six foot five and 300, you know, 30 pounds of very, you know, predominantly muscle. It's a, it's a very different, different challenge, but look, Rich, this is about the time usually in the show and we moved away from the half, you know, the, the breaks. This is about the time where Mark and I do our sling in the slang segment, which is, we like to say, just as big Ben likes to sling the rock. We like to sling the slang and it's uh we're going to have to probably come up with a new catchphrase if uh, if Big Ben's not back, which is because it just doesn't have the same ring to it. So we're going to come up with another uh, another phrase next season. But this is where Mark and I usually give you know the listeners a, a word of the week or we share an anecdote um, about Australia. But over the last two years that we've been with Vine the Steel Curtain, an incredible um, you know coming up on on the odd. I guess it's two seasons, but not quite quite two years. When we have our US colleagues on, and I think you and I have been on a show with with others before. I think we did some draft shows. I think I've jumped on with, with you and Dave at times before as well on the Scobro show, um, yep. you know, which every Tuesday night um, for everyone if you're new to this show. And But we've never done one one-on-one, so this is sort of your turn. Uh, so what I've got is I've got a couple of um, Australian words for you um so i'll tell you what they are and then you can have a guess if you want to give them an attempt um you can you don't have to no pressure there we uh sometimes you know some of our colleagues do all of them sometimes they do none sometimes they pick one or two what have you i've only got about four um, okay but but uh we'll see how you go uh and then you know and then if there's anything else australian that you've got for me or questions you've got for me we, we can tackle that too now let's kick it off so the first Aussie slang word for this week <laughs> is hooroo. Hooroo. What does hooroo mean? Hooroo. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm thinking that I've heard that somewhere. Sorry, I'm th- it's, it's funny, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking through this. I've had several Australian students work for me <laughs> in colleges through the year and oh i'm thinking it's the last one that i had when i was at william and mary that brought that up i almost put it in the title of today's show too i almost <sighs> did it i didn't know whether it would work well on the audio side so I, um, I, you know what I, i'm gonna be say something like uh the last hurrah yeah, kind of. You say hooroo when you're leaving somewhere, but it's okay. often, but often it's, um, 
maybe it's just contextualized. Marky, Marky D can challenge me on it in the live chat. But you might say it, let's say there's a family that you don't see a lot. You might see them at Christmas and, you know, Easter or all those sorts of times or in, infrequently and you'd be like sort of hooroo. And, it, you know, it's not necessarily I'll see you later or I'll see you in a while or, or what have you. I'll see you next week. It's more of just a, you know, sort of a goodbye, but very casual um, sort of goodbye. Some people might use it more frequently than that, but that's sort of the context that I've um, okay. had. So for me, I was thinking, you know, Big Ben this week, and as you sort of said there, last hurrah, and you were almost on there, that, uh, you know, it's kind of hooroo to Big Ben this week, you know, from Steelers, mm -hmm. you know, home fans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this one you might know. Uh, we've used it before, uh, but there's only so many. Mark and I often joke there's only so many slang words that we can share because a lot of them have um, some non-PG connotations at times or involve some swearing and what have you. But, uh, I mean, that's like sort of any slang from any country. Uh, but hard yakka, do you know what hard yakka means? Um, let's see. No, but right off the top of my head, I'd want to say it's it's how you would refer to someone who is a big BSer. Kind of Ooh. like, you know, gives the Dave answer on things. <laughs> no, but I'll compliment Dave and I'll say that he <laughs> likes some hard yakka. Uh, hard yakka for us is hard work, the tough stuff. Uh, hard and and Mark and I often talk about it in terms of, uh, you know, the defense and, you know, you know, stop, you know, pounding ground in there in the defensive line. You know, Cameron Haywood, it's hard yakka all day. You see him chasing down players, you know, um, you know, down into the backfield, um, you know, and definitely if they've made a break as well. So, yeah, that's what hard yakka is for us. So, okay. we like, you know, that's that's what we like to see. So, you know, not afraid of that hard yakka. I mean, the perfect definition of that, I think, over the last two years is when Spillane, you know, smashed Derrick Henry. You know, that, gotcha. that's some yeah. serious hard yakka that game. Um all right. So I used this recently. Uh, I work for an American company, but obviously work out here in you know the Asia Pacific region. And I used this this term recently, uh, and it just blew them away in terms of context. <laughs> so I, I wondered whether whether you'd guess it, um, or I thought it would just be one funny to talk about. But the the word you know legend. Um, and so this isn't a word that you have to guess, but, you know, we, we talk about, you know, a Pittsburgh legend or, or someone like that. But I used the word, I just replied in an email to someone when they, they did something to me, actually kind of saved the day for me on something. I just replied, legend. And they sent me back an email with a with a GIF and a few question marks. And we're like, what does this mean? And I, and I sort of thought, well, it's interesting. You know, in Australia, if someone does something that's really great for us, a marketer brings up the abbreviation of it, ledge in the live chat. We'll sometimes mm -hmm. call someone a legend. So, you know, um, it could be, you know, someone, you know, I think you're taking a mate to the, you're taking a mate to the game this week. So if you rang him up and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got tickets to the Steelers this week. Let's go. Come with me. He'd be like, oh, you legend. Or he might say, oh, you ledge. Um, and so Marky D spelt that like ledge, like a cliff ledge. I've always spelt it, um, 
you know, without the E, but, you know, it's quite funny that we just say legend in a response back and can be pretty brief to it. And as I say, it always gets, um, you know, US colleagues on the professional side of things for work for me, you know, they're always a bit like, hmm, and questioning. But I wonder what would you think, you know, Rich, if I sent you a message just replying, uh, legend, full stop. I, I'm I'm kind of going along the lines here, a vodka drinker who says, <laughs> says savior, savior or, or hero or a person that saved the day. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, all right. So the next one I've got, and Bad absolutely minced this one up <laughs> when we got him to do it. Uh, but, but Rich, can you tell me what a shark biscuit is? Um, a shark biscuit? Um, shark biscuit. Wait a minute. Hey, Kyle, what's a shark biscuit? <laughs> uh, I'm you might go... call you might you might you might call Carl a, a shark biscuit actually. Maybe oh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is you know, um, I'll just go with somebody swimming in the ocean. <laughs> That's on. That's absolutely on. It's when oh, a child, is it? nice. yeah, when a child swims at the ocean, you can call him a shark biscuit. Good. Hey, Kyle, it, it I got it right. We got to remember that. And let me call your cousins that when we get to the beach next year, okay? Okay. <laughs> and then sure. the other one that came up uh, over New Year, we heard a reference um, to a long neck. And so Dave, uh, Dave, Rich, I saw Dave come in the chat. Um, Rich, what's a long neck? Um. Well, let's see. That may depend on where you're on in the world, but um, a, a long neck would be a a, a bottle of beer. It is, is what people around here, ref, a lot of folks around here refer to that. Um, some people, re, um, I've also been places where people refer to a turtleneck shirt as a long oh, neck, yeah. um, but I'm used to it being a bottle of, bottle of beer. Okay, so... That's what that's what I understood it to be for you guys. And it is for us too. But it seems like they're different lengths. So I think the long neck, when I did a bit of Googling about it, was is about 330 mils, uh, which I can't convert that to ounces off the top of my head. But the long neck for us is 750 mils, which is 25 ounces. Ah. So we just call a regular, regular beer, you know, beer bottle a beer bottle um, or, or a beer. Whereas our long neck is actually, it's quite a big, it doesn't help on the audio side when I'm gesturing, but it's actually quite a decent sized bottle of beer. That is interesting. See, you learn something new every day. Yeah. Uh, I always find the measurements quite funny. The height thing works because in sport, you know, even we're in the di different system, you sort of work out what the values are, you know, every couple of inches and what have you. But it's very different when you've got ounces and weight and, and what have you to try and work that out. I'm very good on the pounds and mile conversion. Uh, but yeah, it's quite interesting. In fact, uh, one of the ones that I've mentioned before um, this time last year, I think obviously we're talking with Jeffrey Bennett on it, but I always, we, we had a track meet uh, when I was 17, we did it. There was a big invitational on the Gold Coast in Australia. My school, you know, traveled in, you know, interstate to go do that. Um, and then we had a couple of American schools come out. And so we're so used to running the 1500, which is obviously the Olympic event. But as an American, you know, you guys all run the mile when you're, when you're developing. And it was just funny. You just saw 1400 meters into this race. 
we st- we were struggling and the, you know our US counterparts were just blazing past us because they're used to running an extra you know 100 meters on top of us and it was just so funny in all these distance events you know same thing with the 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 3k runs that that we did as well you know again you got the double you know got double mile there and so just being used to running the extra 200 meters there it's just so funny to see the difference in how much a, a metric system doesn't just change the way you measure things but actually has a physical impact when you go and do something so it's just quite different always interesting to hear those differences that's it but let's get back uh let's go back to Steelers. so I, you know, I always like to ask Mark this and, you know, it's interesting some of the players that we come up with. Rich, is there a player on the Steelers that you're looking this week? I mean, you know, it may well be Big Ben, but you're, you you just think that if we're going to win this game, this player has to ball out or this player has to step it up if they're not stepping it up on the season so far. Uh, well, no, it's not that I'm looking for somebody to step up, but I have a feeling that there's someone who I need to see that if I'm seeing them in certain ways, that it could be a good thing for the Steelers. All right. Um, And believe it or not, I'm going a little bit off of what I've been thinking all day on this, but really it's going to come down to me. I'm going to look at Joe Hayden. Okay. This is Joe Hayden versus the Browns, his old team, the team that didn't keep him around. I'm, I'm looking for Joe Hayden interceptions in this game. If Joe Hayden could pick off a pass in this game, uh, I think it could be a really, really good sign for the Steelers. Okay. I like it. I like it. Very much like it. For me this week, and I wanted to go somewhere on the defense, and you know, I think there's still a bit of – a bit to go in over the next day or so in terms of players coming in and out. And there's players that have been off the injury report, like, you know, Dotson and Bush and um, Wormley and, and Schobert. I wanted to think about someone in the inside linebacker position, particularly if Devin Bush was playing, but I'm going to go with, with someone else on the offensive side of the football. For me this week, we know Deontay will want to bounce back after, after, you know, his drops last week. For me, it's Claypool. Because when we talked earlier about those four to six plays or you know eight to ten plays and Big Ben being hold people off, Claypool is going to get some deep balls thrown at him or some intermediate balls. And I know Big Ben's really not like to pass there. And Jeffrey Benedict wrote a great article on that a few weeks back um, behind steelcurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but for me, it's Claypool because they, there are going to be some times where it's going to be difference maker. He's got a chance to continue to redeem himself or let Steelers fans put the Vikings game to one side, the music playing at training to one side. And I just think he could be a real difference maker, particularly with some of the injuries that the Browns have at the moment or some designated outs. I know they're missing both Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson, uh, the third there, which is, you know, incredibly disruptive um, for their defense as well. But that's going to force some other players to do some different things. I think Delpit's been playing on and off. Newsom's injured. He's a great um, cornerback there. So, uh, as, I, as I said, I think he's going to be really, really key, you know, and particularly if Denzel, I can't, I don't recall whether Denzel Ward's in or not, but they're going to need someone to leap over the top of people and bring down the tough couches. All right. 
Good to hear. Actually, glad we both went one on each side of the ball there. Yeah, for sure. But then flipping, flip it across to the Browns. Um, you know, I hate talking about the Browns too much, but who, who's the player that the Steelers have to have to stop on the Browns side? Um, uh, there's two ways you could go on this one, but I'm going to go with this one only because I talked about a little earlier. To me, it, it's Miles Garrett. Okay, he's the guy that comes out. He's the guy that talks. He's the guy that wants to get after Big Ben. We need to treat him like we did in the first game where his name was not being mentioned at all. If we can control him to where his name is not being mentioned at all, that will be another good thing for the Steelers' offense. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I'm going to go the other side of the ball then as Mm -hmm. well. I want... Look, to me, I was sort of thinking Baker, but, you know, when we talked about earlier about the 15 touchdowns, the 11 or 12 interceptions, you know, I think he's less of a factor, uh, you know, as long as the Steelers, you know, make the right plays. But I'm sitting there and it comes back to Jarvis Landry and I just have these memories and these flashbacks to what he did in the divisional game last year and how he Mm. carved it up, you know. And the Steelers have to be on because you saw it. And I know different divisional opponent, but you saw it in the first game we played against Cincinnati. It wasn't that we let Jamar Chase, you know, get plus 100 yards, but he had two game-defining touchdowns, particularly when they were in the Steelers' half and made big, you know, a 30-yard plus, plus play. That's what I, I can see from, you know, Jarvis Landry. And with our secondary being uh, quite in flux and different people in and out, you know, you only have to have a small lapse and, you know, Jarvis Landry will take it to the house. Um, you know, and Minka has to be on for that. And the team has to be around it, particularly if Minka's flying into the box. So they can stop, you know, Jarvis Landry and there's no old Beckham Jr. to even have to consider anymore. Um, you know, I think, I think that will help because I just don't trust Baker to get it done through the tight ends alone. And I think the Steelers, I think Terrell Edmonds can, you know, mark up against uh, David and Joku enough, but, you know, when it comes to when it comes to stopping the Browns, I think shut down Jarvis Landry and you shut down Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, I I can't argue with that one. I know I, I knew you were going one of two spots. I knew you were either going to go with Landry <laughs> or Chuff when you said you were going on the offensive side of the, of the ball. I knew it was going to be one of those two, and that's really what you need to do. Uh, I mean, you, you're not you're not necessarily going to stop them both, but you you have to stop one of them to give yourself any kind of chance to win a game. Would it be nice if we could shut down both? Short would be. But I'm not I'm not counting on on this Steelers team to shut down both Landry and Chubb. But if you only partially shut down both of them, you're you're really not helping yourself a whole lot. They need to get one of them ir- to become irrelevant in the game. That's it. And and I think about it back to even what yourself and Dave were talking about on your Scobro show last week. You know, Kansas um, in Kansas City there were in a situation where it was they, – they could let the Steelers make plays. They could let the Steelers run the ball toward the end of the game. It, it didn't matter at that point in time. And if we can shut down that pass and we can get out to any sort of lead that's three-plus points – you know, running the football, you know, is only going to take time off the clock on their side of things. So, and I, and I think about this team and we think about the, um, I guess, the challenges, let's put it positively, that we've had with the interior defensive line. Are we more likely to be able to stop Jarvis Landry, you know, with Hayden and with the Spoon and Fitzpatrick, 
um, and Sutton, or are we more likely to be able to stop Nick Chubb? <laughs> I, I just think, you know, Jarvis Landry is a, a much easier proposition for them, you know, yeah. given what we've seen so far on the season. Um, but before we open up to audience Q&A, and we'd love to have some questions, it's been required on the question side this week. Um, so live chat, feel free to fire away. Um, but but Rich, Rich, one of the other things that we like to do on this show is, you know, one of the other Aussie slang words is uh, is a punt, which not doesn't just mean a kick here, doesn't just mean a ferry that goes across a river, um, but it also is a is a gamble. Um, so if you, people are going out gambling, they might say, "I've had a tough day on the punt." Um, but that's our, sort of our bold predictions. Do you have a bold prediction uh, for this week's game? Um... My bold prediction for this week's game is going to be the Steelers' defense causes three three plus turnovers. Oh, I like it. Three plus turnovers. Uh, so, like I actually uh, when you talk about the turnovers in my in the article that will go live um, with all of our predictions of the score across the BTSC network, um, I put that in there in terms of the Steelers would need to have some defensive scores to break thirty points this week. So. I'm, I'm looking out for those turnovers that you yeah. mentioned there, big time. Yeah, it would be nice. Three three turn, turnovers would be great for the Steelers. One of those resulting in a in a defensive touchdown would be icing on the cake. Love it. So, love it. From my side of things, I think Najee goes nuts in this game. I think you know Big Ben, you know, is able to leverage him in the short passing game. Um, you know, the, the offensive line creates some holes. They know what it means. We see, you know, I don't know whether he'll necessarily break 100 yards rushing, but I think you're going to see him, you know, probably get 150 between the passing um, in the passing game and the rushing game and the running game. So uh, that's what I'm excited to see. I think I don't think he's going to steal the show from Big Ben, but I think he's going to help Big Ben celebrate, you know, one last victory at home, if indeed that's exactly what it is. Um, but we've had it. We've got a question from Marky D, uh, my usual co-host on the on the show, uh, and it's directed to you, Big Brosco. Rare that we get a directed question, but there you go. What is your favorite thing to do at Heinz Field? And I'm assuming Mark means behind actually watch the Steelers play. Um, you know what, Mark? That that after a year off and of not getting to go to games, um, what I found most fun this year has been actually uh either meeting up with fans of btsc or getting to talk to other fans at the stadium about btsc that has been a lot of fun um i mean dave and i talked in our show show last week about that the titans game we had uh shoot i lost the guy's first name rats he's from ohio Anyway, he, he listens to us on audio, but is never in the live chat. So he's somebody we weren't totally aware of, but he, he listened and, and he came and he found us and we sat and talked to him for, you know, five, six minutes. And it was fantastic. That to me is what's really gotten to be fun is getting to talk to people about BTSC while at the stadium. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Marky D brings up a second question. Um, he says it's directed at me. Uh, me and Maddie, he's like, Does it feel weird you've been closer to Big Brosco and Dave Brosco <laughs> person than your Aussie mate? Because he and I have struggled with the um restrictions that we have here in Australia to meet up. Well, actually, I think the game though that I went to was Big Brosco. No, it wasn't Big Brosco, it was Dave and it was 
bad. I don't think I don't know whether you went to that. I was there. Stage. I was there with oh, my daughter. Okay. That was the okay. that was the Buffalo okay. game. Yep. Yeah. We were there too. Yeah. So yeah, Mark, Mark, I probably <laughs> I probably have been, but then I probably have passed you on a highway at different points. So maybe I've been close. I, I don't know. It depends um where we are from the Heinz field. But that is that is quite weird, Mark. You're making my uh my experience at the at the Bills game even weirder between not seeing Big Ben and not catching up with my Australian uh, VTSC colleague and good mate, Marky D. Um, but we will grab that beverage soon, Marky D. Uh, Just Me says, any official leaks that Hayden is retiring? I haven't seen anything about that. No, he he's given a few, I don't even want to say hints at things here or there. I think if you ask me what I think is going through Joe Hayden's mind right now is he's going to play out the rest of this season, play out this contract, see what happens. If things happen and he continues to play, he'll continue to play. If it's his time to walk away, he'll, he might walk away. So that's really, you know, in terms of what I've seen kind of hinted from him, has been like, you know, this could be my, you know, he's kind of said, hey, this could be my last, you know, game at Heinz Field. And it it could be. But uh, I don't think he's as, yeah, I, I'd put more money on seeing Joe Hayden, even if it's not with the Steelers, with somebody in the league next year than I would Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, uh, I would completely, I would completely agree, and I, I think even if the the Steelers are bringing back him, him back in a mentoring role, or um, you know, an, another sort of role, and you know, in, in terms of this back, you know, secondary um, as well. But I, I, I watched um, before the season started. I watched an NFL training video about a bunch, a bunch of different pros that go out and work out in this camp in 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 LA. Uh, and Joe Hayden was, I didn't know Hayden was part of it. It was just an NFL. It was just a conditioning six week program. They didn't, I just wanted to see some of the things and the agility work that they were doing. And Hayden was, you know, running it with the best. And I actually think Jarvis Landry might've been one of the other players at that camp, funnily enough. Um, but it was just incredible to watch what they were doing and, you know, the, 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 process that he went through to rehab his body and how seriously he takes it as well you know he could probably well play yes do i think he's you know lost a bit of speed this season 100 um but he's still got it in the head and you can see it in the games i mean you don't make the play that he made against the titans you know if you're if you're not up to the standard um but michael o'malley says do you actually think these young cats actually come to fight this week for ben well we've talked a little bit about that through the show but rich I guess we like to have a saying on this show, money where the mouth is. Do you think do you think these the younger Steelers players can come out and, and help Ben get the win? They can, but what I think you're really going to start to to notice, and this week may be a good place to really get a good litmus test on these guys, is is who has the ability to win that fight. Yeah. And, and you know, we're still looking for some of those questions along the offensive line, especially, um, and and see see what they what they're able to do. Does d- does Chase Claypool put some of those things he's gone through this season behind him and come out and just play big time football like we all are pretty confident he can do? I think it's there. The the question is just how willing are these guys to do it. 
I don't know enough about the locker room atmosphere to know how much some of these guys really care about Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. It will, yeah. What we see in this game could end up being very telling, but. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You know, we, we all get to speculate and, you know, even ourselves here on BJC, at the end of the day, we're fans. We don't know. And the media have no idea. They have probably less idea when you think about, when I see what the Steelers come out with in press conferences, they have even less idea probably than we do because of how much we soak up, you know, what the team's doing. But you're, you're exactly right. You know? and, and it's the classic saying, the proof is in the pudding. They've got to come out and show it, you know. Yeah. Um, still a nation 412. You'll have to check out the article, um, unless Rich wants to give his score, but I'll say I'll leave my score in the article. I'm trying to remember what score I gave on Tuesday night with Dave. I think I gave uh 24 21 Steelers, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think my score is about a, a 10 point difference. Um, but I, I just think the Steelers can rock and help rock up and do it at home. Uh, Kevin asked, What changes will the Steelers make on the offensive line? Look, this is one for the offense for the um, offense for the um off season but i mean from my perspective you know they're gonna need to bring in bring in you know definitely depth at different positions they're gonna have to draft you know some players as well um but it also depends are you bringing back turner do you trust banner you know in his recovery there are you know can you bring back chooks on the cheap i mean there are there are a lot of different things, but I think Rich, for you, what you know, what are the things you're thinking about when it comes to the offensive line? Uh, pro- probably along some of those same lines. Um, you know, Tur- Turner and Banner coming back are the first two things I'm really starting to question because, um, especially with Banner, I know there is some salary cap savings you could get there. It's not a ton, but a little bit. Um, also would be like, you know, who, who are you going to go out and get? What what kind of money are they looking for? I mean, we've got more money this year. That is the nice thing for the Steelers. They have more money to spend than they're, they've been used to the last four or five years. Um, the issues a lot of people will say, though, is that there's so many holes in this team and you only have so much money. The Steelers have to decide really sit down and look and take a good look and decide where do we want to spend it. That's that's exactly it. And, and if you're not, for me as well, if you're, if you're going to spend, wherever you spend the money in the, in free agency, you're going to, have, you know, want to, or have a bit of faith that you can fill in the other gaps in the draft. And, you know, they're, they're not two separate things. And but at the same time, we know the Steelers like to get some surefire um, or, or some, some players that can work in those positions if they miss out right. on anyone in the draft and draft best player available. But, you know, they've got to decide pretty quickly. Are there five, you know, O-linemen outside the top 10 picks that, they, that they're happy to draft in the first round? If so, then maybe they spend money elsewhere, uh, you know, when it comes to free agency. I think cornerback's another one of those positions. Do you want to pay a lot of money to, you know, to get in a, a veteran or a proven player, or do you want to go in and, you know, and spend a top round draft pick? And, you know, it's so funny. I was, even I did it this week on Twitter. You talk about cornerback with the Steelers and draft pick, uh, even in our Slack channel, I was talking about it with one of our colleagues and people go, oh, uh, I don't want this. I don't want to draft a cornerback, but there's some great cornerbacks coming through. So, you know, these are the things to consider, you know, and these are questions that we're going to get to spend, a long off season talking about over the next few months. You know, I, I will go back to Kevin's question. I will say one thing. 
to me, there is only one locked in person on the offensive line for next year. And that's Kevin Dotson. He is the guy that I think the Steelers have to keep where they've got him and build around. Do you think they should switch into right guard though, if they're going to let Turner go? Like I just sit there with that one and I wonder. I think that will come down to what they build in around. Yeah. Okay. You know, that, that I think is going to depend on what the rest of the personnel ends up being. I think they'll get the personnel in and then make the decision which side of the line they'd want Dotson on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring up Steel Nation 412 again, though. He says, should Canada let Ben call the plays? And I'm bringing this up because we've heard a lot about this. Does Big Ben get to call the plays? Do we go back to plays in the dirt style football? Um, assuming that that actually happened last year with Feetner, which I think it did. Um, but, you know, Rich, what are your thoughts there? <laughs> My worry is that if it gets to the point where Ben's doing that, it's because the Steelers are going to be down and trying to scramble back. So I hope they don't. That's it. I hope that it's not just let Ben call the plays because typically that starts to happen when the Steelers are down and needing to press. Yeah. And this is it. It's like when Big Ben, you know, throws all those for all those yards in the playoff games. Are we seeing? Is that the? Are we going to get the best result out of that? Well, we're already so far right. down in the game, right? So, you know, it's uh, it's a bit of a challenge. Then Brian Brown brings up. Let me skip a few questions, but uh, that we've sort of talked to throughout the show. But Brian Brown says, "Am I the only one who still believes the Steelers can win the Super Bowl?" Rich, do you no. believe, do you believe this? Look, <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to say when they're playing I, the way look, they played against Kansas. I, I just think back to, you know, Ben's first Super Bowl and how that team had to pull it together and they played their best football the last couple weeks of the season and then right through the playoffs. Could that happen? There is, there is enough talent on this Steelers team that that could happen. I'm not sure there's enough enough depth on this Steelers team that that could happen. Um, but first things first, beat the Browns. That, that's it. We can't get ahead of ourselves. Nope. Like you've got to take it game. At we a time. need to beat the Browns and then we need to beat the Ravens. And then if that gets us into the playoffs, then it's beat whoever the first team is we play. It's like, just keep trying to win the next game and let's hope for the best. Completely agree. Completely agree. And it, it's also like I could see this. You look at the the games that the Steelers have lost and, you know, it was brought up. I can't remember what was your show this week. Uh, it was one of the other, it was one of the other shows, um, you know, across the B2C network. But the concept of the fact that I think it was you guys, but that the Steelers have played the top two teams in the AFC two weeks, you know, two weeks in a row in, in, in Tennessee and, and Kansas City. They beat Tennessee at home. You know, they, they guess that loss was awful at Kansas City, but were they probably going to lose that game? I know you guys had it penciled in as a loss. I had it penciled in as a loss as well. Like, it, the Steelers and have played some top teams throughout this season as well. They've had the hardest strength of schedule. So if they can make it, you know, to the postseason, you can't you can't count it out because it's two rocks up to play on the day, um, and you know, and that that's really really important. Um, Michael O'Malley asks, you know, why did we leave ten million on the table? Well, the good news, Michael O'Malley, even if you, regardless of 
there wasn't a lot of great O-linemen there. We didn't know DeCastro was going to go, which, you know, Rich pointed out earlier in the show. But that that is, all I'll say is that that's, and then Rich, go for it, but there's 10 million on the table for next year now. You know, that, that can carry over. Right. But the other piece I think I need to bring up with that is most every team out there leaves 10 million around 10 million, typically somewhere between eight and 10 on the table going into the season. Because anything you need to do to sign a player during the season, you have to have the salary cap space to be able to do it. So I'll even take, for example, this, like the Steelers just signed to gray stick scales off the Cincinnati practice squad. Okay. His salary that the Steelers will pay this week and they have to pay it next week has to come out of remaining salary cap. So there had to be money there to do that. When we got um, Montavis Adams, you know, we had to have money there to be able to do that in the middle of the season. So for the Steelers, they, they went into the season. I want to say it was just shy of 10 million. I want to say it was in that nine, six or seven range. Um, we've used some of that. Not a ton, but we've used yeah. some of that because we've needed to add pieces as the year went on. Anything not used will roll, like Maddie said. But we, you know, when we go into next season, we will not have taken our salary cap number down to zero. There will be money there to do in-season deals where we need to, depending on you know injuries and things like that. And I think that the smallest number that we've had over the last couple of seasons, it might have been, I don't think it was last year, it might have been before, was we had six million at six one million. And that yep. was and that was considered, I think it was maybe it was last year. Um, and that was considered, you know, quite small. And I remember there was a there was a few players that were on the the risk of being, you know, cut if a major issue happened. I think mm-hmm. yeah, it was last season because we we're talking about if Big Ben, you know, had another injury and like, you know, they couldn't go around with with you know, Duck and Mason again and what have you. So, you know, uh, the Steelers, I think if, if if you're sitting here and you're a Steelers fan that feels a bit jaded and jilted by the fact that they've got money in the cap, um, you know, in a year with a smaller cap um, and a year where they've had some injuries and in some key areas of this team, offensive line, defensive line, um, you know, the secondary has been in flux. Think about it like that 10 million carries over for next year, that 10 million helps us cover you know, avoidable contracts um, as well. So, you know, yep. this does create some opportunity for us in, in what in the different moves that the Steelers can make next year and, you know, paying people forward, you know, contract restructures and what have you. And there'll be a heap of time for us to go through that. Um, but, if, but if you really look at it, you know, and I think the money that you were talking about as well, Rich, before with Zach Banner, I think it's roughly about two million or so. But that might be yeah. enough. Yeah, that might be enough to retain Chooks, who's a free agent. Like, what's the market going to be for Chooks, right? It, so exactly. So there, there will be a lot to be done. Um, yeah, once the Steelers' season ends, I know Dave is ready to hop in and start working cap. Um, yeah. But he, he's kind of like me. Like we will look at those kind of things, but we're. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's finish the season first because um, we got an entire offseason to start working on that on, on cap and what we think we can and can't do. Um, well, and there's always a, there's always surprise cuts as well, right? Oh yeah. So yes. you know you can sit there and go, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a, you know is going to be a free agent. Well, that's great, but you know there might be a team that makes a bunch of cuts, and they've got the money, right? You know, and there's players probably on this this Steelers roster that are sitting there like, 
Two, it's probably a name that's going to be bandied around a lot, whether he goes or he doesn't, whether he, you know, I saw rumors, you know, is he going to retire, what have you. That, I don't want to sort of get into that. We, we need to wrap up the show, but, but that's the, they're the sorts of things to think about. And we're not really going to know until about a week before free agency. And even then it'll be a couple of days in before you start to see all these moves happen as people become available, teams can talk to players, you know, all those different things as well. But with that, I'd like to I'd like to say a big thank you to Big Bro Sco, Rich Schofield, for joining me today on Touch Under. It's been an absolute pleasure. I you know, really want to do a show with you for, for a while. Um, Miss Marky D, of course, as well. But we'd love to have you back anytime you, you want to come on. And I just want to wish you and all of BTSC a very happy new year. Thanks. Thanks so much. Get better, Marky D. That's it. That's it. And Marky D always says, uh, closes out the show with Go Steelers. So I'll, I'll hand that over to you, Rich. Uh, okay. Oh, man. I got to close it with Go Steelers. Kyle's used to hearing can't wait, but I will will say, you can, hey. Oh, Cal, you can say can't wait. Okay. Well, okay. Monday, me in the stadium. I will be looking for folks. I already know I got to hit up uh, BF Bud, who's going to be there with uh, in Dave's seats. Um, he and I are going to try to meet up. Uh, someone asked early on if I was going to try to do a live podcast. I doubt it, but I don't know. Uh, my friend Tim and I were trying to get to the stadium pretty early that day, um, even though it's supposed to be freezing cold in Pittsburgh. But um, we're still going to try to get there early and get around, and I'm hoping to run into some folks. So uh, Monday, Steelers, Browns, Ben's last game potentially in Heinz Field. Can't wait. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.